Welcome to Marksman, a podcast for men who have been marked by Christ and who are aiming their lives at Christ-likeness. I'm Mark Spellman, your host, and want to thank you for just taking a few minutes with me this week. Your time is extremely valuable, and I want to make this time extremely fruitful, and I want to make it a good investment for you. So as the only way I can do that is to make it about Jesus, to make it about the Word of God, and to just press into the Holy Spirit with you just for a few short minutes today as we talk about a powerful, powerful passage in Romans chapter 8. And today, we're going to finish our conversation that we've been having for a number of weeks out of Romans chapter 8. If you go back and look at the series titles, there's just been a, a number of conversations, four or five weeks, maybe six weeks total that we've had about this passage. Today's going to be the last one, and I'm excited about wrapping this thing up today because I'm telling you this is God saves the best for last. Amen. The best wine for last. You know, the glory of the latter house is greater than the former. So I hope you just stay tuned for the rest of this conversation this morning or today. I don't know when you're listening. But I hope you'll just stay through all the way through the podcast because we're going to go back to Romans chapter eight. And what we've been talking about for a number of weeks is the is the truth that if God is for us, who can be against us? If he didn't withhold Jesus, then why would he be withholding anything good that we need? And we've had a lot of conversations about that truth several weeks worth. And I hope you'll go back if you missed any of them. I hope you don't miss any of them. I hope you'll go back and just, they're only 15, 17 minutes, most of them. And man, I hope you'll just, you'll catch up with us if you've missed any of them. But if you missed them, man, don't tune out. Let's let's just go for it here today. It'll all make sense as we get into it. Romans chapter eight, verse 31, Paul says this, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If he didn't withhold Jesus, why would he withhold anything good that we need? So these things, what's he referring to when he says, what shall we say to these things? Well, that's what all these weeks we've been talking about. It starts with the fact that God has foreknowledge. If you go back to verse 29, verse 30, he unpacks this. He said, if if God, well, let me just read it here. I'll, it won't hurt to read it one more time. Let's see, Romans chapter 8. It says this in verse 29, those whom he foreknew, he also did predestinate and we were been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he, Jesus would be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, continuing on, he says, those whom he predestinated, them he also called and those whom he called he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. What shall we say to these things? So those are the things we've been talking about. First of all, the foreknowledge of God. We talked about that. Then the predestination, the destination that's prepared for your life, the destiny God has for you, the plan God has for you, the path that he's already, Ephesians 2.10 talks about it. God went before us preparing a path, prepared a life for us to live. 
There's, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, the number of our days written in his book. There's, he's prepared something. He's been so intentional. He knew you would come. Even if you're, you know, for me, you know, I came into the world not because I was a planned pregnancy. I was actually a surprise. But you know what? I'm no surprise to God. I mean, when I came into the world, my my parents thought I was going to be a girl, so I, my name was going to be Heidi. But then I came out, and there was a stem on the apple, and they thought, uh-oh, we need a boy name. <laughs> well, do you know what? My parents might have been surprised. They might have scrambled to come up with a boy name. But you know what? God knew I was a boy from the beginning, and God had a plan for my life from the beginning. And I was no surprise to God. It wasn't like God was up there, oh, my gosh, I didn't plan for that one. What are we going to do with him? You know what I'm saying? I mean, God did not get surprised. He didn't have to figure out what to do with me. He had a plan. My spirit was no accident. God knew me and you from the beginning. So matter, no matter what the circumstances are around your birth and your arrival in the earth, God's got a plan. And the same for your children, the same for your grandchildren. And there's a lot of people that could be really comforted with that truth because there's a lot of people, they struggle. They struggle to have a sense of identity and purpose and destiny because things around their birth weren't so glorious. We weren't so perfect. You know, they didn't have the leave it to beaver life. You know, June and Ward were not their parents. And I'm dating myself in that reference. Some of you may have no clue what that's all about. But for those who do. Well, bless you. But here's the point. Sometimes we can start life in a not so perfect way. In fact, none of us start in a perfect way, but I'm just saying I grew up in a home tremendously loved, tremendously supported. My parents did everything to give me a chance to succeed, and they laid a lot of sacrifices down so that I would have a better chance. So I grew up in a very, very good home, very thankful for my upbringing. But regardless of that, no matter what a person's upbringing is, God has a plan. And because he has a plan, then Paul talks about, then he starts calling you. He starts calling you. And then not only starts, he keeps calling you. He never stops calling you forward, calling you up from glory to glory and from grace to grace. He's always calling you. You can always hear his voice. Just like Adam in the beginning, God's calling. Don't run. Don't hide. Don't cover. And for goodness sakes, don't blame your wife (laughs) like Adam did. Just go to God. He's the one calling. Go to the one who's calling you. Don't cover. Don't hide. Don't blame. Don't run. Go to the one who's calling you because those he calls, he justified. And we talked about that last week. If you missed any of the conversations, again, go back, pick them up. But let's talk about this last one today. Those whom he justified, he glorified. Glory be to God. What does it mean when the Bible says he glorified us? Well, let me just let me just start throwing some thoughts out here for you to consider. When Jesus raised from the dead, of course his work was done. He said, It is finished. And of course he then he ascended on high. He had already went to heaven. And we know that when he, he did that, his blood was presented in heaven on the mercy seat. 
So his blood is in heaven, speaking over you, speaking over me, speaking over anyone who will receive that blood for the forgiveness of their sins and the cleansing of their sins so that innocence can be birthed in them through the new birth. But once that happens, here's what happens. Go to John chapter 20. It's a tremendous passage to consider on all this. And it talks about when Jesus then appeared in the room, John chapter 20, his disciples, they don't know what's going on. I mean, Jesus appeared, but then he, you know, he's gone. And so they're just hiding. They're hiding out. You know, there's all kinds of rumors running around Jerusalem. You know, the, the tomb is empty and the disciples are being blamed for stealing his body to try to, you know, create this conspiracy. And so, I mean, they're just hiding, not knowing what's going on or how it's going to play out. And all of a sudden, Jesus appears in the room. He literally just appeared in the room. Now, that ain't sci-fi. That ain't Hollywood. That ain't special effects. That ain't computer imagery. That was reality. He just walked into the room. He appeared in the room. Doors were shut. Windows were shut. They're hiding. And Jesus appeared. And of course, the first words he said, you can read about it in John 20. He says, Fear not. Well, you, you'd you need to hear those words, too, if a man just appeared in the room. <laughs> I mean, just boom, appeared in the room. You would have to be told to fear not, you know, calm down. It, he said, it is I. And then he, he, he encouraged me. He said, hey, handle me, touch me, you know. Look at the look at the holes in my wrist. Look at the holes in my feet, you know. He, he let him know. But then here's what he did next. After he calmed him down, he said, fear not, it is I. And then he said this, or he, he did this. He says he breathed on them. And when he breathed on them, he said, receive Holy Spirit. Receive Holy Spirit. That right there, man. That was the glory of God. That was the glory that was lost in the garden. And that was the glory Jesus came and laid his life down and shed his blood for was so that the glory, the Holy Spirit could be restored to you as a man, to, to be restored to you as a son or even a daughter of God. I'm talking to men, of course, today, but I'm just saying the Holy Spirit, the breath, the rock of God could be restored and he breathed on them and he said, receive Holy Spirit. See, in the beginning, God made man out of the dust of the earth. And it says he breathed into him, into his nostrils, the breath of life. Well, of course, when Adam sinned, he didn't stop existing. He didn't stop breathing. But the glory came off his life. That's when he realized he was naked. He was uncovered. He was exposed. He was ashamed. He felt guilt. He felt shame. He felt remorse. All those things, regret, all those feelings came to him. And, and when you think about it, the enemy said, listen, eat this fruit. You're going to see things you've never saw before. You're going to experience things you've never experienced before. And in some way, he was right. They'd never experienced shame. They'd never experienced guilt. They'd never experienced remorse. They'd never experienced regret. They'd never experienced fear. So, yeah, that was all new to them once they ate. But, man, here comes Jesus, and he breathes on them, and he says, Now, receive 
Holy Spirit. And that is the glory of God coming back into man's life, coming back on man's life. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians 6, 1 Corinthians 6, both passages contain it. It talks about you and I being the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Glory be to God. That means we we have the glory of God in us. We have the glory of God on us because we have Holy Spirit in our lives. We we get to walk with Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit walks with us. He's not just walking with us. He's in us. And then in Acts chapter 2, there's another experience with Holy Spirit. It's called the baptism in the Holy Spirit and with fire. Well, Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Now, they've already received Holy Spirit in John 20. So they're born again. This is when they got born again. They were regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came upon them. See, just like where Mary conceived the Christ, and she said, how's this going to be? You can read about it in Matthew 1. How's this going to be? Well, the angel said, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. Well, that's what's happening when Jesus is breathing on them and saying, receive Holy Spirit. They're being overshadowed by the Holy Ghost. They're being influenced by the Holy Spirit, and they're being born again. They're being regenerated, born again, by the Holy Spirit and His work in their life. And so for a person to be born again, it's because Holy Spirit works in their life. He brings the conviction. He leads them in repentance. He authors that desire to repent and turn back to God. And if a heart does it, then the life comes. Glory be to God. The glory comes and a person is born again. But see, in John 20, they were born again. But then in Acts 2, There's another experience that they have, and that's the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire. Jesus called it the promise of the Father. He said, now, Terry, here in Jerusalem, don't leave. Don't. I'm commissioning you to go to the world. I want you to preach in Jerusalem, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. But wait, wait, don't go. Wait for the promise of the Father. And that, of course, is in Acts chapter 2. They were all in the upper room praying, and there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And there appeared unto them divided tongues of fire that sat upon each one of them. Each one got their own flame. Each one got their own flame. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and fire, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And they spilled out of the upper room with such joy and such fire and such fervence and such rejoicing that the people around about said, these men are drunk. I mean, it's nine o'clock in the morning. They're already sauced. I mean, but he said, no, 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 no. Peter said, these men, he stood up, these men are not drunk as you suppose, but they are very, very full of the Holy Ghost. This is that which the prophet Joel prophesied, that on my sons and my daughters, I'll pour out my spirit. Well, that's the glory of God coming back upon the human family. That's the glory of God coming back upon our lives, in our lives, on our lives, permeating our lives, us being fully immersed in the glory of God. And that ability to pray in other tongues, is the flow of glory. It's the flow of fire. And man, it's just a powerful, powerful thing. It's an expression of the glory. 
It's an expression of the favor and power of God in your life. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Ghost, then that experience is available. All you got to be is born again. If you said yes to Jesus, you've been born of the Spirit, you've received Holy Spirit in the new birth, then man, receive the baptism, receive the fire of God, even now receive in the name of Yeshua. Receive the fire, receive the Holy Ghost and his baptism even now, and join me as we speak in other tongues. Metele for I fill you even now with my spirit. I baptize you even now with my fire, and you will burn for me all the days of your life, says the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Now, if that's new to you, man, we have some other resources we can put in your hand. And, man, don't be frightened by that. Don't be uh, weirded out by that man that is a flow that every man should be walking in we should be like paul said to the corinthians i pray in tongues more than you all so man there's man praying in tongues is such a glorious glorious way to pray because a lot of times we don't know how to pray or what to pray but the holy spirit helps us intercede he helps us pray he helps us with our supplication when we don't even know how to pray which is most of the time. So anyway, hope that is an encouragement to your hearts today. But if you need resources, other resources about what the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I, I'll, I'll help you get them. I just need to hear from you. Just email me at spellmanministries at gmail.com. There's a link on the platform below. You can just click that link, shoot me an email, say, hey, give me some more resources, more more teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fact, in fact, we may... Uh, with this being said, I may pick up a short teaching for a couple of weeks and just talk about the baptism. Talk about the baptism of fire, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And, and of course, then uh, one of the privileges, one of the privileges is the ability to pray and speak in other tongues. And so we may do some teaching on that. In fact, I'm kind of getting a nudge in my spirit to do that. So that might be the next couple of weeks we'll talk about that. But anyway... I've enjoyed this time together around Romans chapter 8. I pray it's been a blessing to your heart and just an encouragement to your faith. Just to know and be reminded, God is for you. What shall we say to these things? If he foreknew you, if he predestined you, if he called you, if he justified you, and then he glorified you with his spirit, what shall we say to these things? If God is for you... Who or what can be against you? He didn't withhold Jesus, men. And if he didn't withhold Jesus, he's not going to withhold anything good that you need or that I need. I'm praying for you, men. want to hear from you. Email me your prayer requests, your testimonies, even questions of things you'd like to talk about in the future. So until next week, I call you blessed. 